I love the talking guy show. I hear two guys talking. 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 Two guys talking are here. I hear two guys talking. Shield. It's an organization that both exists and doesn't exist all at the same time. For those in the know, Shield. The Strategic Homeland Intervention, Enforcement, and Logistics Division is the counterterrorism and intelligence agency run by Director Nick Fury. Its global reach, with thousands of operatives with differing skill sets across the globe, continues to grow. S.H.I.E.L.D.'s activities have been documented for a long time, both in comic books and feature films. Those legendary tales now transfer to the smaller screen in a weekly series on ABC via Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., a chronicle of the findings of a crack team of S.H.I.E.L.D. agents. This is the detailed review of those chronicles. Set your life model decoy to take care of life's business for now. It's time for another episode of the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast from Two Guys Talking. Escape. The act of evacuating physically. An inclination to retreat from unpleasant realities through diversion or fantasy. An album by The Rock Group, Journey, 1981. Regardless of your definition of the word escape, it's what's at the center of another episode of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on ABC and Hulu streaming. Action, questions, familiar characters, and a truly memorable family squabble put us all together. It's time for the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast, a complete, detailed, and always educational review of each and every episode of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. This time, Season 5, Episode 7, Together or Not at All. Greetings, everybody. I'm Mike Wilkerson, one of your hosts. And I'm Nicholas J. Hearn, your other host. Nick, it's great to have you again. Some quick housekeeping. The Run to Infinity. Nick, something that we started just this last week mm -hmm. was putting up some more of our great perspective reviews over the last decade of Marvel content creation. And the listeners can now go and listen to our perspective reviews of all of the Marvel Cinematic Universe perspective reviews in order, in prelude, to Infinity War coming up in May. Stop what you're doing. Go download those. Make sure that they're, they're safe and secure in either your phone or your laptop. Then come back... And listen to the rest of this Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. review. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, they're a lot of fun. What, what I also noticed was that the very first one, Iron Man, is a paltry 38 minutes. <laughs> so, Only 38 minutes? Yeah. Now a decade in, or now over a decade in, really, the, it makes me want to go back and revisit that to see what now we can look at it with the the bespeckled eyes of wisdom now mm. overseeing so much more Marvel content. But we're not going to do that anytime soon, so don't <laughs> worry about that. Anyway, I want you all to go check it out right now. Go to twoguystalking.com forward slash infinity and make sure you tell us what you think about all of those perspective reviews. Again, the reason that we did those was not just to have more content on the network, but so we can get your feedback as well on those great Marvel cinematic tent poles that were set up now a decade ago. Go check them out again. It's twoguystalking.com forward slash infinity. The value of legacy. Nick, we talked a little bit last week about the Castle of Common Sense, mm -hmm. my dad's podcast, and what I was so happy to see on January 2nd, uh, my dad died on the 3rd, 
on January 2nd, I got a file from my dad. It was the most recent episode of his podcast. And so after he died on the third in my email box, the next day, I had a gift from my father, which is the sound of his voice, which I've now edited down to his last podcast, which is now available over at castleofcommonsense.com. And for those of you that haven't gathered on to the whole concept of leaving something behind after you go, that's what podcasting is for me. I've now been podcasting for 12 years, almost 13. It'll be 13 this year. And what I quickly realized after my dad dying, I'll be able to listen to his voice forever for as long as I'm around. And that's the value of podcasting is that you are leaving something behind that will be here a lot longer than you ever will be. And so I encourage all of you to find a voice and a reason to speak into a microphone. But more importantly, when you do that, find two guys talking to help you take that podcast. Even if it's just something that you want to make your own podcast, you have no intention of monetizing it. Let us help you make something quality that will provide you with a true legacy online via podcasting. Go check out Castle of Common Sense to learn more about my dad over at castleofcommonsense.com. And again, consider making your own podcast with the help of twoguystalking.com. All right, enough of the housekeeping, Nick. It's time to jump straight in together into the review of Season 5, Episode 7, Together or Not at All. Sponsored by Acoustica's Mixed Craft Recording Software, Bloggers Bug, and the St. Charles Office Center. Shot, choked, or liquefied. I I love, I love how this program will jump in with both feet and on we go. Oh yeah. And this is another great episode where we are at a sprint as we start this episode. And at the front end of it, you get the choice of Daisy shooting choking and or liquefying i guess the guy that the, the blue dude that comes into the room obviously liquefied is out the window because yep. of thank you inhibitor yep but then she has the options of either shooting kicking ass or choking and so she chooses the latter which is choking and it was great well the gun gets taken out of place she wants to go for the gun but the Cree grabs the gun she knocks it out of his hand mm-hmm. and it, well after that it's just okay well we got to choke yeah yeah also at the same time while she's dealing with that, Fitz is trying to remove Gemma's whatever you want to call it the uh, the, the inhibitor. We'll call that an inhibitor as well. What are you calling it? Well, it was something completely different than the inhibitor that Daisy has. Daisy has something embedded in her neck. Gemma's was inserted oh, into in her, her ear. ear. Oh, okay. So, I mean, yeah, inhibitor, you say potato, I say potato. The torture device. The thing is, is that this one can be actually removed, Mm -hmm. whereas I don't know how easily Fitz is going to be able to remove Daisy's. But the fact is, is that Daisy had to kick a little Cree ass so that Fitz could get the job done so that Gemma would, you know, wouldn't go... I I don't know what it was... I mean, it was causing her physical pain, but would would it have eventually killed her? Probably. I mean, was or it, go mad or something, you know, maybe like, or know. or or deaf. Maybe she was she would have lost hearing out of that ear. Who knows? Yeah, bottom line is that it was incapacitating her, preventing them from moving forward. And so let's get the fix. The fix is to remove it. Boom. Done. Uh, reminded me also again of that great scene inside of Star Trek Two, where we get Chekhov and his removed ear implant again. Grizzly. But now going back and watching the commentary and or the text from Michael Kuda, one of the special effects folks inside of that movie. It's fun 
to watch and learn. If you have not watched or listened to the commentary from Star Trek II The Wrath of Khan or the text commentary from Mr. Michael Kuda, you need to stop what you're doing right after this podcast and go and listen and or watch to that because it really is a ton of fun and you learn more about a really great movie. Now, onto the ship or not. <laughs> and in this case, I would vote for not because Ooh, yeah. there it is an explodies in the window. I love it. I love it. I love that it was a stupid, simple effect. It didn't yep. look cheap and it absolutely fostered the storytelling and pushed a commercial break. Yep. I keep wondering when the show is going to stop firing on all thrusters because it is the perfect space shuttle mission. Every time I wait for it to go to break and here we go. Right. You know, seriously, I, I don't get it. Scars, no power, no ship and no love from your brother. <laughs> this was awesome. So we get to go back and we meet Chrysanthemum again, who is none the worse for wear. Evidently not slit throaty cut cut just cut on the cheek. I guess he was able to to tuck down. Okay, you, uh, okay. And... I mean, uh, from what I saw, not only from last week's episode, mm -hmm. but in the recap of this episode before the episode even starts, it looks like that knife was on his throat. Yeah, yeah, and it makes me wonder, like back and to the left, back and to the left. <laughs> It's like where we got to go get a lawyer involved to try and explain how the the magic butter knife went through Chrysanthemum's right. face. But okay, um, fine. No, 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 I'm not gonna. I, I, think, I can I can make it a point. I can make it a a, a hash mark against this this uh, this show. <laughs> One hash mark against fifty. Let's start. If we're starting at a seven, then here we go. We're down at a six now. Yeah, good deal. I think I think <laughs> the only thing I can think of seriously, dude. The only thing I can think of is that it was too grisly. If you'd have put that that state that set of staples on his neck. It would have been too grisly. I just, I, I, I don't I, get it. I but the thing it. is, is that later on when you've got Chrysanthemum's brother, his mohawked assassin, mm -hmm. just slaughtering people in the halls, that, that's grisly. Yeah, well, and I'll tell so, you, we'll, we'll get to that one. But, and yeah, we definitely need to talk yeah, more about that later. Yeah, yeah. But the simple fact that that can happen, and but then they decide, ooh, no, we don't want to do a Frankenstein neck thing. Yeah, I would almost compare this, and again, I'm assuming that you have not seen it. This doesn't spoil anything. But you'll remember at the end of The Force Awakens for Star Wars, mm -hmm. you'll remember that Kylo Ren got slashed across a portion of his face with lightsaber slash piece of lightsaber. Right. Okay. Well, in the newest Star Wars film, The Last Jedi, the scar is actually moved. Now, it's not moved from throat to front of face, but it is moved probably, you know, from, fr from being down the middle of his face off a bunch. So mm. it, it's not there. Again, this is a very strange choice here for the makeup people that have done and continue to do a wonderful job. Something else I did notice is that they're getting right in on what you're seeing here. Yeah. It's absolutely indiscernible what is going on. It's great special effects here. We've gotten a number of pieces of feedback inside of our listenership feedback about the makeup as well. Mm -hmm. And what most of them are noting is that now with the advent of HDTV... The people that put makeup together don't really have a choice about not being decent. Right. You know, oh, the, yeah. The, the fact is that, I mean, you can look at this at any news channel right now. You go back and you look at somebody who's been doing the news for, let's say, a decade. In fact, it, it, it's actually getting past where it doesn't matter anymore because HD's been with us that long. Mm. But when you get back past and you kind of remember what people used to look like and now you look at them on television, 
little bit of camel face going on with a whole bunch of them. And the reason is because of HD. It's something that all television personalities, male, female, anything, they're all absolutely fearful of what the camera does to them on television. And I won't tell you that it's ended people's careers early. But it's a big factor when you've got somebody that is approaching uh, an older age versus some new young buck that's coming in that looks awesome on television compared to "Mm, good morning. Well, it's rough. It's really rough. Uh, The other things that we've talked about here are no power, i.e. the power goes out. Awesome. That there is no ship is even more awesome because the whole escape plan out the window out the window and I love it when we get to see our heroes think on their feet because especially inside of this program it's usually a lot of fun and then of course the no love from your brother man this is great if you thought meeting the brother where we get to we get to see the a-hole incarnate brother guy we were sopping that up like butter with a biscuit last week what's even more delicious inside of this week because he it's turns into a giant I told you so session here yeah and I love that I love seeing this boot on the throat to have boot on the throat because I'm going to put my boot on your throat brother that's exactly what we get here this whole episode I would uh, I would actually boil it down to character development for Chrysanthemum mm-hmm. and for Flint yep. those are the two most impactful characters in this episode mm-hmm. you learn a lot of great stuff about Flint but the stuff with Chrysanthemum Every time I think that he's just, okay, he's just this really great bad guy for a TV series, Mm -hmm. then things start to happen. Yeah. You start to learn a little bit more about his past and what got him here. And and I know we'll talk about it as we get closer to the ending of this this review. Mm -hmm. But, oh, my God. Just everything about, everything revolving around this character. This was the episode that solidified him as, okay, I really like this bad guy. Yeah. Chrysantha brother sets the hounds loose. <laughs> this is awesome. So that's what we're going to call him? Chrysantha brother? Chrysantha brother. Okay. And he sets the Come hounds down. loose, which is the Mr. Mohawk. Cree Mohawk. Cree Mohawk. Yeah. We'll yeah. Mohawk. Slashy Cree. Slashy Cree. Oh, that's he, so awesome. Because he likes to, he like, he likes slashy, to cut slashy. people. Yeah, but he gets rid of that and takes on a gun later. Oh, we'll, we'll, we'll mull it over. We'll, we'll find out a name Fine, for him yeah, by the time okay. we get to the end. Anyway, <laughs> this is great. I love that it's to the point. We know exactly what the goal is here. There is, there, there's no whitewashing. There's no wondering what he might do. It's absolutely painted for you on a plate, black and white crayons. Here it is. And in your mouth. Love mm-hmm. it. Oh, yeah. The fact that Chrysantha brother just takes over, just takes charge. You can see the the frustration in Chrysanthemum's eyes. You can see the disappointment mm-hmm. in Creepy McSilverball's eyes. Yes. Uh, because, I mean, let's, let's, let's not mince words. The events of last episode where... Chrysanthemum just allowed his brother to toss her into the pit to fight Quake. Yeah. That probably yeah. You, that, that that caused a little bit of strife. Yeah, there there's a there's a facial expression inside of creepy McSilverballs inside this episode. You yeah. know what it is? Mm. It's the one of the only redeeming elements of the third Die Hard film. I remember that crazy lady with the curved knives in that one? Jeremy Irons and then the crazy lady with oh, the, the uh oh, the, was the that? blonde. Yeah, the was tall that in blonde. That 
Well, Jeremy Irons had a blonde sidekick. Yeah. yeah, and she she would walk in and like she'd have these knives and dance around and like have blood spray on her. And then they made love in like a boat or something. I don't remember. Anyway, that after after the slitty throat moments with the with the curved knives is exactly the facial expression you have several times for creepy McSilverballs inside this episode. And I, I mean it's it's telltale and it's weird. And now you add on the delicious makeup that she's got going on inside this episode. It really does work wonderfully inside of this. I'm so happy that we didn't just discard her into a another pile of gladiator bodies a couple of episodes ago. Because it really does pay off inside this episode, without question. May on the surface and Enoch from Cygnus. Daddy loves some Enoch. Giant clapping hands for mr enoch inside of this episode i love me some enoch we've already fallen in love with him inside of this particular season of of agents of shield and he continues to pile it on like some delicious toothpaste where i get to then brush my teeth and then feel really awesome after i spit it out so before the emails start coming in i will graciously admit that evidently i was completely wrong and enoch was taking the lift to the surface, but <laughs> of course he was. I'm sorry, what's that? But because of this, again, like I said, it takes a big man to admit what he's wrong, and I'm wrong and you are because a big man. I am a big man. <laughs> but because the show had never properly shown that the lighthouse was attached to what was left over from crumbs of the earth. And that it was all attached, and it wasn't just this nice little visual that we got every now and then when somebody was flying around in a, a skiff. I'm going to have to take another point off today, because they should have made that plainly clear that you could actually access the surface from any one of those lifts if you wanted to. All right, so, so let me get this straight. Hold on. So, Last so now we're going down to one. a five. Huh. We're at a five now. <laughs> five. <laughs> Last episode, it wasn't good enough that there weren't enough alien representations, right? Yes. This this episode, you're getting, you're literally giving a figure, a real life negative chalk mark, because the signage department wasn't good enough for you. It, there was never Understood. a sign that said no, no surface this way. Let's see here, Nick is an idiot. Got it. Okay. All right. <laughs> May's audio tether to eight episodes ago. Woohoo! Awesome. You know, all of you know that I love it when they're able to to grab a piece of the ornate tortilla that is made inside of the land of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., in particular mm-hmm. inside the same season. But yeah. when it's other seasons, it's even better. And inside this episode, inside of this point, we get that wonderfully. And I love that it's just kind of an accidental mention that you as a viewer and or, in my case at this point, listener listening to the episodes you just have to gather and compile all that information as you hear it what really does create though is that wonderful connective tissue that you and i always talk about where these tiny little wisps of of audio thread that they filter through the very quick to the point conversations they have inside of the episode help you weave together another luscious bite into this tortilla that is always satisfying something akin to a comic book yeah and, and it's not done as often as it used to be, but I remember reading, especially the 60s, 70s, and 80s books, mm-hmm. if, if a character 
was referring to an event that happened several issues ago, there'd be a little asterisk right there by the comment, mm -hmm. and then at the bottom of the Corner panel, right, right. you would have a little text box that would said, see such and such issue for those events. Mm -hmm. That's the, what this is. It's a footnote, right. Yeah, right. that's what this, this is. This is an audio footnote. Audio footnote reminding the audience that Enoch was responsible for sending them into the future. Yeah. It's luscious. It's detailed. It's provided off the cuff so it doesn't feel heavy-handed at all and provides you more connective tissue to another great piece of storytelling that happens so quickly, and it's so dark. I think that... I. Going with the choice of being immensely dark inside of the surface stuff, I think, is a great and bold choice. Mm, yes. Because, again, the stuff that you cannot see is the stuff that horrifies me. I don't know about you. Mm -hmm. The stuff that you can't see that you only have to use your imagination of or can't yet see, those things are a lot more horrific for me. And I, th I think they are for the vast majority of people. Well, it's, it's how I sign off every episode on uh, Two Guys Talking Horror. You know, I always say, don't be afraid of the dark. Be afraid of what's in the dark yeah yeah and it's true yeah it's absolutely it's totally true. true yeah hellraiser chains activate speaking of two guys talking horror we were talking about some hellraiser chains yeah. here yeah this is awesome i remember i've told a little bit of the story i don't think it's been with you though so this will be a, a new audience to spill this on i used to be an usher inside of a theater called brookfield square mm. brookfield square is in brookfield which is 20 minutes outside of downtown milwaukee wisconsin and I was an usher there for, I think, about seven months. It wasn't very long. <laughs> <laughs> it's obviously because I love going to movies and eating popcorn. And then that whole usher stuff, I would get to that as well. But right, right, right. Anyway, uh, I worked there. It was a lot of fun. I even loved wearing the tuxedo because I felt important even when I was cleaning the floor. Yeah. It's awesome. Anyway, when I was working there during those eight months was the time that Hellraiser was in the theater. And for oh, those wow. of you that have forgotten, Hellraiser has some intensely raucous sexual content in it like yeah like uh, I, there's some sadomasochist stuff going on in that movie yeah but then there's also some very serious hunk of chunk of going on inside of that movie and so of course i would go to make sure that everybody was all right at 27 minutes 38 seconds of every single showing <laughs> <laughs> the gist is that i thought about hellraiser chains and i instantly thought about that and then also how impactful that movie is that is a horrific movie like you Clive Barker was such an absolute genius for grabbing moments of absolute surreal terror and bloody angst. Absolutely. And encapsulating them and then throwing them at you on the silver screen. And I'm not kidding. That There are pieces of that, the whole Jesus wept, mm -hmm. that whole thing before he gets ripped apart. All of that is, it is horrific and it is indelibly burned onto my brain. And... That's why I'm so appreciative of a program like yours, twoguystalkinghorror.com, because I can now learn from other people that take that in and can boil it down to explain why people like it or don't like it. I can now learn a lot from that. And so I, there's two things I would encourage all of you to do. One, get out to see some Hellraiser, because even back then, the special effects, the chains were off the chain. All practical, baby. Yeah, all the chains practical. were off the chain. They are just awesome, and they are horrific. They, again, it, it will take any pile of silver anything, really, and turn it into, wait a minute, is that shit going to come alive and eat me? Because that's what exactly happened with the chains in that. The second thing I would tell you to do is go over to twoguystalkinghorror.com and learn more from Nick and Nick's entourage of guests host that he has on about why and how horror impacts you inside of 
not just feature films and television programming, but also video games. I mean, it's really, it's super impactful. Should I send you an an invite with chains attached when uh, Two Guys Talking Horror does a perspective review of Hellraiser? I would love that. I, I think, uh, again, there's so many indelible moments. I, the other thing that gets me, too, I, I know other people are like this, but there are audio moments from that movie mm-hmm. that are, they are on my brain. You know, it, I, 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 can, I can hear them right now as we're recording this podcast umpteen years later, but I can hear them clear as a bell. And that's when you know that a property really has, you know, uppercut punched you. And I'm not kidding. I, I think I experienced that film, I don't know, 30, 40 times mm-hmm. in the time that, not, not sitting there while I was in my tuxedo eating some popcorn, right. watching smut on the screen. But the, the the gist of being around in the area of impact, like you can listen to it and go, oh, okay, so what they're saying, we got about 26 minutes left inside of this movie. You can actually do that when you're an usher inside of a theater experience where back then there, was only, there were only three theaters. So it wasn't like there was an entourage of 12 theaters or anything. Mm-hmm. It was three theaters. And the one that Hellraiser was in all the time was the larger of the three. And I mean, it was just, it, it was super impactful. <laughs> Seeking out those you want with purpose. Man, this is exactly what you and I were talking about when we were talking about the, oh, wait, he's not cut on the neck. It's actually on his cheek. Right. This is what we're talking about where Cree Hawk, Cree Mohawk, Cree Mohawk, whatever we're going to call him, whatever. Last of the Cree Heacans. Cree Heacans. Oh, that's good. The Cree Heacan. Last of the Creehicans. Last of the Creehicans. That's what we're calling him. Okay. Last of the Creehicans here walks up to J- Joe and Jane, who are going to Blockbuster to grab a video or whatever. Yeah. Hey, how are you? I'm wondering, where are the people that I need to find? And the guy just goes, hey, man, I'm wondering if I can. Yeah. And and it's a spray it's not, it's, of blood. It's not just a spray. It's, you, you don't even hear the, you don't hear any of that. You see the bodies slumped to the ground, but they come out and they get this giant wide shot. And I'm not kidding. It's like somebody took a fire hose mm-hmm. and went whoosh across the, the wall where this blood spray appeared. And I'm like, dude, that is purpose. Yeah. There, there is, uh, all of you can imagine right now, the television show that you have watched in the last week where you watch it and there's supposed to be somebody that is, quote, menacing, and they want something, or they want to go someplace, or whatever. And they're trying to be as menacing they can, whether it's, you know, gritting their teeth and telling you what you want, or, you know, they're really in somebody's face and they're being super subtle. Now you're going to give me what I want, or I'm going to shove this gun up your nose and blah, whatever. You get all that. This is purpose. There is no doubt What's going to happen to this second young lady? In fact, I was amazed that it didn't. Because if you really want to sell a home, what's going on here? You make an you essentially make an X of blood spray. On the I wall. was I was actually going to uh, to to mention this if if you didn't. And please, I don't want hate emails thinking that I'm bloodthirsty oh, I or do. that I have something against you, women. You, you can send them to me because I, I fine. Love send them to Wilkerson. Yeah, that's fine. I was disappointed that he didn't kill the other, yeah. the female as where, well. Where he essentially goes, "Oh, thank you," because it's yeah. because it's like, "Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I I noticed that the hatch is open, so that's where they went. So I don't have to kill you." Well, maybe had you looked inside before, you wouldn't have to have killed the other guy either. Yeah. Why would you think that that guy would even know where they were? He just came down the hallway. Yeah. 
The bottom line is that if you don't have a sacrificial lamb, nobody's going to take you seriously. You want to see people pay attention to me? Great. Watch this. I'm going to slit this dude's throat regardless of what he says. You know, he was probably just saying something like, hey, did you see the Vikings get... <laughs> he's dead. You have no idea what he was going to say. We didn't even give him a chance. The point was to make a statement, and he did. It's purpose, it's, it's terrifying, and it lays terror on the people inside the station. I thought it was excellent. Should Flint be allowed to roam? I don't always get on television shows like this, but one of the things that I think didn't need to happen inside this episode was even giving Flint the chance to roam because you can't afford it. If he gets caught, he knows where you are. He's brand new. He has absolutely no season training to prevent from knowledge being garnered from him, i.e. torture techniques to help prevent you spilling the beans. Because if you are a kid who may, has probably lived here his entire life, yeah. and someone says, where are they? I don't know what you're talking about. Off comes a finger. No. Okay, and so how fast do you want to raise the game, and how fast do you want to see him not be able to stand up to it? Because he wouldn't. We, we can't possibly think that he's got some innate, also new power that allows him to sustain over some sort of inquisition time that he wouldn't eventually give them up because he knows where they are. Right. And so I, I was, I had a, it's going to be my one chalk mark probably against the episode is that I, I thought that that was a terrible move. I get that he's emotional. I get that he feels like his world's been wrecked. I get that the tether to test was huge. But what's even larger? Escape goes back to the front end of our episode that we focused on the word escape. There has to be an escape plan in which you have to be a piece of it because they need your powers inside the team in the future. And if you go roaming, you're going to get caught and or killed or incapacitated where you cannot do that. And I thought somebody on the team, uh, in particular Mac, especially as his character has bent inside of this episode, Especially after seeing how they disposed, they disposed of Tess. Tess wasn't even a person. They put her on display. They didn't care yeah. what happened. And so knowing that that is the peril, more importantly, them being found out and caught is the larger peril. I, I was amazed that they let him roam. Well, it's, it's the compassion factor. They have to let him grieve. If they are the, no, you can't go anywhere, then it doesn't really seem like the your friendly neighborhood Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Because you got to think about it. They're not the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. right now. They're oh, just... Hold on, hold on, pause. So you're going to get us all caught. If they catch you, <clears throat> they're going to catch us. I get it. Okay, you, so you, enjoy you, your walking around and getting us caught. I'm not trying to defend this. I'm telling you why it's here. Because right. I said there's two reasons. Compassion is one. Two is... If they didn't let him roam around, you don't get him leaving the group later on in the episode and... Killing the vicar. Killing, well, yeah, killing the vicar. You don't get that. You don't right. get that, I am Luke Skywalker, I am a Jedi, and I'm going to take you out moment, because that's what it was, if they basically were all on top of him and right. wouldn't let him go anywhere. And you, knowing, you don't get that. Knowing that I would always help you find a solution as opposed to just deleting a problem, I will help you with that when we get to it inside of the show notes. <laughs> a brotherly dialogue inside of this mountain of weapons which was a f ton of fun to watch oh yeah this is again it's one of those where you'd go back to the episode just to watch and see what weapons they're unearthing as they scrape out this pile of stuff that's here it's awesome mm -hmm. 
this is another wonderful piece of dialogue where once again, Chrysantha brother chooses to pile on top of Chrysanthemum, thereby escalating all the stakes inside of what's going on inside this episode. Yeah. Yeah. It is another giant ladder watching. You know, you just, you go, look, how high could he possibly go to start grinding into his brother some more? Look, he's going even higher. And that's exactly what happens inside of the scene. It's wonderful. That and uh, something that at the time watching it, I found a very, very Joker-esque. Oh, yeah. From yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. The Dark Knight. Yeah. Talking well about said. how, you know, he's he's you, showing off all these guns. He even fires the Desert Eagle a handful of times during his, his conversation. But he talks about how, yeah, these, these, these weapons are good if you don't want to get close to your enemy. I like using a blade. I like seeing the life blood flow out of my enemies as I kill them. Yeah. Very, con- the, 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 very similar to the conversation the Joker had yeah. with the, the one cop in the interrogation room in, in The Dark Knight. Mm-hmm. And... Listening to that conversation, I'm I, I I I didn't start putting pieces together, but I started kind of hoping. I was like, "Ooh, I wonder how we're gonna get rid of this character," <laughs> because you can it, see it on Chrysanthemum's face. It's yeah. like I don't think his brother's gonna survive this story yeah, arc. Yeah, right. But it's not terminal cliche. No, there's no, a, it's not. There's a, there's a wonderful difference that they paint inside this episode that is. You can see him getting closer and closer to the cliff of doom, but it is not the, ah, so they're going to kill this guy now. Somewhere inside of juxtaposition, inside of storytelling, there are two different two different paths for those two things. And this is definitively not terminal cliche. Terminally this, cliche would have been when he hands him the Desert Eagle and starts walking away from him. Chrysanthemum would have shot him in the back. Yeah. That would have been terminal cliche. Yeah. And I was going, as I'm, I'm watching, I was like, don't do it. Don't do it. I'm going to be really upset if you do it. I will be very disappointed. And then we go to a new scene. I'm like, yeah. good. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Going the right outside the box of what needs to be provided inside of storytelling is what we love about this program. And we get that in spades inside this episode. A revisit to Gravitonium. Season One. Season one, dude. Wow. Talk about connective tissue and an absolute awe moment. I I have now forgotten what it was we were talking about. It may, I think it may have been in between one of the many breaks that we've had over the last 18 months uh, for the series, i.e. they take a break and we're just not doing a show. Right. But I remember specifically us talking about where somewhere Gravitron comes into the the, the makeup of storytelling blah. Right. Well, here's a tiny little piece of it. And that it is encapsulated inside of, or the, the, this gravitonium is encapsulated inside of, obviously, decanters. It doesn't just float around in, in little right. decanters yeah. like that. Somebody put it there. And I love that. I love that it's it's used as a decoration, which can also be a harbinger, or it can be a, a push to what might be inside of this future, or somewhere else after we go after we're done here. I love all of that. It paints a wonderful picture. Again, I have to I, I and I'm not I'm not gonna say that I'm wrong here because I still stand by the fact that you've got crumbs of an earth, you don't have an atmosphere. There's no science to prove that, that there should be an atmosphere. And we're on the surface. Well, more importantly, right, hold on. Hold more on. more importantly, there's no there's no crumbs of earth to prove it. Which is a good thing. <laughs> we have 
atmosphere that you can breathe. Mm -hmm. We've now seen that there there's storms, gravity storms on the surface. Mm -hmm. And again, watching this episode, I'm like, oh, I love this show, but this just really doesn't make any sense. And walk around, there's air, you're breathing oxygen, everything's fine. You know, the roaches are coming after you, but you're you, you're still breathing and everything. Ah. And then they do something stupid simple like this. Remove a panel. Oh, I guess we understand how there's a gravity to the uh, everything. And it's a gravitonium. And I can't argue with the science behind gravitonium because it is a made-up science for this show. So, therefore, everything works. So, again... I'm just going to keep my trap shut when it comes to good earth crumbs <laughs> having atmosphere. It works because this is a great this is a great show based off of great comic book content yes. and I just need to keep reminding myself yeah. of that and stop nick picking. Um I think it's time to rip out Daisy's inhibitor. So let's get around to it. If we can dig inside of, we can dig inside of Simmons' ear. I think it's time. Maybe we, uh, I, you know, I, I've got a reasonably sharp pocket knife. I think it's time to dig into the back of Daisy's ear and grab some inhibitor. Ah, uh, it's a little bit easier to pull something out of somebody's ear canal than it is to remove something attached in someone's neck, especially because, you know, there's that large artery right there. Find her ear, though. Find her ear. Yeah, it doesn't her. matter. Yeah. It, uh, still, surgery-wise. Dude's a scientist. Come on now. Dude is a scientist. He's not a surgeon. He doesn't need to be a surgeon. You know why I know? <laughs> Out of ear. Done. Uh, it's a comic book show, dude. It's just a stupid comic book show. It's not a stupid... Don't no, you? Oh, how oh, dare no. you? Come on. Don't throw that out there. <laughs> It's not a stupid comic book show. We anyway. wouldn't be doing that. We would not still be doing this review <laughs> no, five seasons later. I agree. Anyway, it's time to rip out Daisy's inhibitor because I'm sorry, guys, but time to liquefy. <laughs> it's time to get into. But you know what? If she mode. was able to liquefy, there would be no peril. I know that. I know. I know. I'm just going to have to keep grin the and bear peril it. going. I know. I know. I'm just going to grin and bear it. Hmm. Deke to the rescue. Like Nick said, can he be trusted again? What 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 was that? Hmm. You're assuming that it's all to the rescue and that it hasn't all played out yet. This wasn't the season finale. No, but I called last episode. Last last episode, Two I episodes. called. No, it was last episode. Was trust it? me. Okay, I remember. I called it. Mm -hmm. Deke was going to show up. Mm -hmm. White Knight to the rescue. I don't know about White Knight. He happened to have a piece of technology to save the day. I'm not saying it's a good White Knight. I'm just saying he shows up. Now, the thing about this, though, is is, is there something that I don't remember? I don't remember Coulson and the rest of them locking Deke up when they found out that he was the one who, who quote-unquote, sold Daisy to Chrysanthemum. I'd have to go back. I, I, again, I, I would have to go back, too, but I... I when they're mentioning that he got not only locked in his 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 quarters, but then they he even mentions that his door was welded shut, so he actually had to go out through the window. Mm -hmm. That's why he was wearing his not so Star Lord mask. Mm -hmm. I I don't remember that happening. 
Now again, it gives me a reason to go back and rewatch a, a handful of episodes back. DVD Blu-ray feature or something? Yeah, I'm not sure. Anyway, I'm just, I was asking you. Do you, do you remember that? No, I just remember there being bad blood and then the story moved forward. Yeah. Uh, th- th- again, that we get back to why pace is vitally important inside of these things. Mm-hmm. The faster you can go back and start nitpicking into things, that's when it all starts to fall apart. Am I mm-hmm. wrong? Right. No, okay. No. Mm-hmm. So uh, again, I like this piece because one. I, and I think this is the loop that kind of gets rid of your complaint, i.e., who's oh, Dick's going to show up in his white knight? He actually says the words, uh, what you're referring to, and then right. that they're able to point the finger at the camera and say that and point it itself. I, I give them, I give any show and feature film a pass when they do that because they realize that somebody inside the audience is going to say it, and I, I really do appreciate that. Right. I would take that all day long and take on those things that I would see inside of television. Where they would say something to the effect of, now, you know, to solve this, I could just, and then insert the solution. Mm. And then if they go ahead and do that, well, the answer is because instant crafty Joss Whedon writing, or it's just written that way and it pushes the story forward. And as long as it pushes the story forward, regardless of which way you go, I'm good. Well, no, and, and I'm, not, I'm not complaining about it. When I predicted it, it was because that's where the story would go. I've watched enough I've watched enough stories, I've written enough stories to where it makes perfect sense that in the time of peril when there was no way to get out, mm-hmm. this character was going to show up and say, "Hey, I am on your side. Mm-hmm. Stop treating me like I'm not. Right. I'm going to get us out." Yeah. And and then they st- but they still don't trust him. And that's the good thing about it. That's yeah. what that's what sells it yeah. is that they still continue, "No, you're going last." Yeah. No, yeah, no, kill that. this guy. I love that. And yeah. here, here again, here's your option to go back and talk about writing potentials where you go, okay, well, let's delete that line and see what else we could have done. Here's what you do. We have, though he's not a medical doctor, you're absolutely right. We've seen Fitz remove the terrible torture device that Chrysanthemum put inside of Simmons' head, inside of her ear, canal, whatever. Right. Okay, remove, done. She's not going to hear out of that ear for another six weeks, whatever, after she gets to the infirmary, blah, whatever, fine. Oh, and by the way, go back to the past where everything is awesome and there's actual medical facility that they can get to. Right. But that's a, that, that's beyond the point. Anyway, so he's got the he's got the potential I can do it. It is behind her ear and not near the giant jugular artery that you're referring to. And the bottom line is that if you had to trust the guy that nobody trusts and says, no, we're not using that dude's plan. Sorry, period, paragraph. If you had to say no, then what you do is you get the inhibitor out of her neck slash behind her ear, blah, whatever. And now you use her powers to use her as the quake vader. I.e. everybody goes up and she to the ground and she carries everybody up. Then she comes back down, grabs the next one, does the same thing until they're all up and safe. And then the last thing they do is they bring her back down and she goes, okay, are you going to screw us or not? And Deke would just stand there with his hands going, huh? And that's when she goes, fine, come over here. And they both go up. Now we've really proven that he's not going to screw them because if he wanted to screw them, he would have made sure that that didn't happen somehow. He would have called in the, called in the cavalry to come pick them up or screw them or whatever. And he, if he would not have done that, now it's all saved. Plus, Daisy's now got her powers back, and it looks like they're going to leave soon anyway. So She's got her power. If, if she got her powers back before, of all, before the need for... Deke's gravity device mm-hmm. then the entire situation of going to find Flint rescuing Flint from 
Creepy McSilver Balls and Last of the Creehicans, it totally changes uh, because agreed. she has her powers. Absolutely, and I totally agree with that. But if you had to get rid of the Deke if, going on. Yes, if. But I prefer the way that it, it, it played out in the episode. I totally agree with that. I totally agree with that. Flint's off to make spark and the benefits of situational awareness. We talked about this a couple of times, and I loved it. I love that he gets to go and he gets to essentially address the vicar. It's all done in absolutely the perfect tone. This could have been incredibly melodramatic for this dumbass kid that just got his powers to go up there and be all badassery, Will Smith-like. And they didn't do it. They were able to either dial down the actor or the actor knew that it needed to not be Will Smith in one of the Men in Black movies at the end where he's all... You know, <laughs> wagging his head at the at the bad guy about the about the ass he's Don't going to start kick. nothing, won't yeah. be nothing. Right, right. We didn't get any of that, and it was absolutely perfect. This whole destruction of the vicar scene was awesome. What I also love too is that they they let him have the moment where he's able to kill the vicar in essential revenge. Right. I, I, I think it's a little bit more fundamental than that. But they kill the vicar, and. Because, and they've even said this, he's not seasoned, he's not trained, he doesn't know what to be doing in any situation, which is one of the reasons why I didn't want him to leave. But in the end here, he gets taken because of not being aware of his surroundings. Right. Which is what the piece of the training would give you if there was training inside mm-hmm. of this. Yes. And so it's terribly appropriate. The the killing of the vicar, terribly appropriate. The, ta- the being knocked down slash unconscious, whatever of what's going on with Flint, perfect inside of what's going on inside the episode. I thought it was great. Terminal cliche. Again, it had Flint been able to kill the vicar, give his one line, this is for Tess, and then just walk away and continue to be a badass, that would be a terminal cliche. Yeah. And and again, this show does not run on terminal cliches. Yeah. He is taken down and used as bait. Yeah. Insert firearms, but no one's hit. I've grazed a flesh wound. <laughs> Creepy McSilverballs gets hit in the the uh, the arm. Phil Coulson. I know n- at twelve paces. Dude, you're you're preaching to the choir because this right here. So Sally. I've no. I've made a couple of jokes about hashing, <laughs> you know, black marks on this show. This is the one where I was yeah. just like, really? Yeah. Come on, yeah. you're Phil Coulson. Yeah. And you can't hit somebody. I think a, a quick double tap. You know, and one to the chest and should have been done. I realize, guys, before the hate mail flows <laughs> inside of this episode that this is not a 007 film. Uh, guys, I get it. I totally get it. But this is what I was talking about a couple of episodes where I want to see finality. Uh, if you leave Creepy McSilver Balls alive, I can bet you dimes to dollars that in about 35 seconds... She's going to be swirling a couple of balls. The difference is that instead of them being the silver balls, they're going to be Phil Coulson balls because she's not dead. And She was I, injured enough to take her out of yeah. the fight for, the, for them to get away now, but not killed. Right. And now I'm really glad that they didn't kill her. True. Because, yes. Again, yes. We've, we've, we've predicated this whole thing and that the, the ending inside of this episode is wonderful. Mm-hmm. We're going to detail it more here, but I, I, you know, like if maybe there's a shockwave on the station because of things being disrupted. Something. Something that's going or to impact Or had Creepy Phil. McSilver Balls grabbed the other Kree soldier that was standing there and 
put him in front of her and Coulson unloads on him yeah. to where she gets grazed and knocked down but not killed, I would have bought that yeah. more than what actually happened. Yeah, I, I, I wanted to see something d- desperately different yeah. there. And uh, it, it's my only one other knock inside the episode of Awesome. Even the kid gets it's time to act. This is great, too. This is another piece of cliched storytelling that if not done and told right, in particular inside of the acting well of whomever's saying, though, well, wait a minute, we got to do something. If all of those factors do not equal out, then instantly whoa, you get the 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 flaccid, the flaccid privates of storytelling that you see inside of other shows. That's not what happens here. What you get is a wonderfully assertive moment from the kid that is the newest member of the team. And even he knows we got to act here. I love that. I love that they're, they're bringing out the wonderful benefits of a new team member to help spill onto the seasoned, trained team members to move forward. I love that. Not only the fact that it's a character who has no experience of heroics. Right, right, right. I mean, right. He, he comes from a future where... It's it's work hard, keep your head down so that you survive. Mm-hmm. There is no hope. There is no compassion. Yeah. yeah. And now he's been given this gift. Like Max says, you've been given a gift. And what you do with it is it will define what kind of a person you are going forward. Yeah. And in just one episode, Flint realizes, okay, so what's going on in the station? It sucks. Something needs to be done about it. I have the power to do something about it now. I'm staying. Yeah. Yeah. Ironically enough, the fact that the episode is called Together or Not at All, yet we split the team in half almost with Yo Yo and Max staying in the lighthouse with Flint to, uh, I, I don't know, start a revolution while Colson and the rest of them go to the surface yeah. to find not only Melinda May, mm-hmm. but the mysterious signal that has been. I guess technically the MacGuffin for this this section of episode since the season opener. Mm-hmm. It's it's we got to get to that signal. Somebody's on the surface. They're alive, and they're the ones who know why we're here, why we've been sent to the future. Yeah. So it's you think, oh, okay, well, we're all getting in the ship together, and we're all going to. Uh, yep, we're almost done. Couple more episodes. We'll return to the past. No, mm-hmm. we even talked about it last last episode. It was like. There was a sense of, okay, we're wrapping things up in the future now. We're, we're maybe like two or three episodes away. This episode now makes me feel like we've just entered the, the start of another cycle of episodes. Mm-hmm. It's the revolution and the revolutions of the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and, and the people that they've interacted with. I don't, know, I don't know where we're going from here, and I don't know what to expect. Yeah. Talking tech. Balls. <laughs> <laughs> we, we could not possibly get through this episode without talking about a couple of wonderful pieces of tech here. The first I want to refer to is that, I don't know what else to call it, but a, a matrix explosive that's used by less of the Cree Hawkins. Uh, after he blows the semi-circle thing inside of the wall, yeah, and then he attaches the little pieces parts between them. Weird air gun thing that that 
shoots through the wall, yeah. makes a hole. I'm assuming it's some sort of mining tool slash whatever. Yeah, it has to be. And then putting the tiny little bombs mm-hmm. into the hole so that, you know, you make yourself a doorway. Yeah. So all of that, okay. all of that is my is my tech inside of here, that, or my uh, talking tech moment. But what I absolutely loved was rather than rather than painting the episode as he blows the hole through and he goes through and he begins marching down towards the team and the team is able to overcome him and insert dot dot dot. We don't get any of that. No, <laughs> and I'm so happy we didn't. All we get is this dull thud after the wall breaks down and it's creepy McSilver balls that has now killed him. Mm-hmm. And that that facial expression that I was talking about with the lady from the Die Hard 3, when I'm referring to that, is exactly the expression that you get on her face. It's this silent, resolved, not smiling, but like this, this pleasant thing that, oh, yet another life taken with my creepy McSilver That's balls. That's what she does. It's awesome. It, it, it is what ab- she does. Absolutely awesome. Uh, the, the push towards the end of the episode inside of all of this is is absolutely perfect with that expression, that thought, and then going back to be loyal. That the word loyal spills out inside of the end of the episode here that we'll get to in a minute is fantabulous exclamation point writing inside of this episode. That's where we ask you guys, what was your talking tech moment inside of this episode? Uh, there's a whole bunch of tech going on inside of this episode, but there's some. And we're curious what you want to talk about when it comes to tech inside of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on ABC and Hulu streaming. Let us know by going to our website over at agentsofshield.tv. Click anywhere on the right-hand side of the page, fill out the quick web form, and tell us what you think. The sideways Bill and Ted moment. Thanks, Turbo. Yeah, this this was great. Do you have any idea what I'm referring to inside of this scene? No. I'm... Okay. Inside this episode, we have a wonderful debate moment where where essentially Fitz doesn't feel too goddamn appreciated for no, not really. the fact that he's tried to plan this whole thing out. And uh, I instantly gravitated back towards Bill and Ted where, where they just go, Yeah, no problem. Remember to put the keys over here behind the garbage can and then we'll be able to get whatever we want. Right, okay? Yeah. No problem. I'll remember to do that, dude. They lean over. Jingle, jingle, jingle. They got the keys all ready to go. <laughs> this is exactly that, but a tiny little twist on it. It was so appreciative. I, I, I love that I love that Matt calls him Turbo. It, 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 that, that tiny little funny jiggle that I get every time I hear that is fun. But more importantly, I love that Fitz is finally showing some like Time out, man. I'm going out of my way. I don't think I'm getting any kind of appreciation for what I actually did here. Uh, This was tremendous. And I love the other thing that's great about it is that it's so quick. Mm -hmm. Uh, You have seen Thor Ragnarok, correct? Yes. Okay. Without getting into too much depth, and we're not doing the perspective of you right now in the last 10 minutes of our episode here. (laughs) The the bottom line, though, is that I thought too jokey. there wasn't enough seriousness inside of the movie for me to think that anything serious was going on, even when people are going to be displaced forever. I, I didn't get the gist of, man, this is real. I, and I w- wasn't getting it because there was never a time where the jokey came off the storyline. Hmm. And this is a perfect sample of how to do it. And it's inside that, quote, stupid little television program about comic book people on ABC and Hulu streaming. And I laugh at that because the budget that's given to this show versus something like Thor Ragnarok, what the hell? 
Uh, but I love it. I love that they bothered to take and give us a moment like this that allows us to have a tiny little punching into the gut thing where it is kind of a joke, but you know what? It's not really a joke. Right. And I love that. That's the kind of humor and how quick I want where that whole balancing and talking to himself inside of the lava pit, inside of the front end of Ragnarok, I could have had that about a third as long and I'd have been just fine. Mm, yeah. That, anyway, not a definitely not the final reflection of Thor Ragnarok. We'll do that in a perspective review eventually. But I loved how they were able to do that inside this scene, inside of this episode. At two, Chrysantha brother. This was awesome. I don't care what anybody else says about Chrysanthemum. These kind of moments inside of storytelling, they're so hallmark. They are absolutely theatrical. They are written in the pages of Shakespeare immemorial. Yes. This is not a new storyline jagged off into the future somehow. This is old school storytelling. This is, you've had all you can stands and you can't stands no more. Period. Paragraph. And in with the wonderful musket. Loved it. I Mm. loved it. I love both times that you get the musket here. Because if you thought it was cool once from behind, where you thought it might have been a McSilver ball, wasn't a creepy McSilver ball. No. It was a musket intentional from the brother in the back and then in the front. Right. Absolute release for Chrysanthemum over a course of probably what amounts to years. Well, yeah, yeah, definitely. And then then giving us purpose at the end of it by stating what the actual sample was. Look, the generals kept me there to kill me. What what do you want me to tell you? You and father set me up. I know this. I get it. Yeah. And and I loved it. I loved it. I loved that I can see the wheels and gears running inside of Chrysanthemum's head as he's talking to the loyal subject, which Mm, I absolutely love. And that's the thing. The loyalty despite what happened in the previous episode with her being tossed into the 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 cauldron to fight Daisy there's still the loyalty yeah yeah also the fact that he even he even says this is the we we've talked when she saved my life she said you're too important to get your hands dirty let me be the one who does all the killing that saves you more time for bigger things bigger planning but now we've reversed. He has gotten his hands dirty, which shows Creepy McSilverballs that he's willing to do that. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I, personally speaking, had he not stabbed his brother in the back at that moment, there there was a part of me that kind of felt like she might actually go with the brother. She might go with Chrysantha brother because he is showing more initiative. Mm-hmm. But I also think that she was waiting, hoping that chrysanthemum would actually do something grow a pair yeah. and do something and he did yeah and the thing was he enjoyed it yeah i go back to what you said shakespearean this whole ending section of this the, the, the with the three of them something right out of a shakespearean play yeah and yeah. it was beautiful yeah inside of you remember gladiator yeah okay inside of gladiator you've got joaquin phoenix and joaquin phoenix's character inside of gladiator is one of the best root base villains i think in probably cinema it, it is completely 
low ball heralded inside of cinema. I don't think it gets nearly enough attention because it's it's super dark. It, it's that matter of course. I really don't care what anybody thinks. This is my life. I'm going to paint the road as I see fit, and I'm right. going to walk it. Anybody that's not going to help me foster the walk is going to get paved over. And that's what that character gives you inside of that. The neat part is that we get a glimpse of the very first laying of the pavement for Chrysanthemum inside this episode. I, I think it's spellbinding. I, I'm, I'm totally in that that wonderful little jiggle in my leg when we first started this season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. seeing Chrysanthemum. I mean, it, this is why. Yeah. This is why that was there, and I'm so glad that it's being paid off. Lots more to talk about during this episode of the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast, focusing on Season 5, Episode 7, Together or Not at All. We will be right back. Thought about a career in voiceover? Need a great, cost-effective on-hold message for your organization or business? Don't know where to start? Check out The Voice Farm, your one-stop shop for voiceover needs. Check it out now by accessing The Voice Farm at voicefarmers.com and see what difference can be made with a company that is truly outside the box. From The Voice Box, voicefarmers.com. That's voicefarmers.com. The number one question for those who have a podcast is simple. Why are you still editing your podcast? The answer, editorcore.com. Look, I've been podcasting for over 12 years now, and the bottom line is, if I could travel back in time via whatever time machine I had at my disposal, I would jump back to the beginning of my podcast career and tell myself to not edit my own podcasts. That day is here with EditorCore.com. Save the time you waste editing your podcast every single episode. Get your podcast edited by experienced seasoned podcast editors over at EditorCore.com. Make your podcast soar with the EditorCore. EditorCore.com. That's EditorCore.com. Wouldn't it be cool if your advertising could last forever? It can, with perpetual advertising. Here's how it works. Magazine, radio, and television ads are efforts that people might see or hear once, and then they're lost forever. Perpetual advertising provides you with the chance for repeat exposure and replayability weeks, months, even years after it's originally inserted inside a podcast. So even after your advertising is included in a podcast years ago, those efforts are still impactful providing you with true return on investment. Real impact, thanks to perpetual advertising. Are you ready to change the way you and your company or organization advertises? Find out more and launch a unique perpetual advertising effort right now by visiting twoguystalking.com forward slash sponsors. It's a situation we've all been in. Our younger selves, tucked snugly in our beds. Just as you're about to slip off to sleep, you hear a noise. What is it? Where's it coming from? From the attic? From the closet? From under your bed? Whether it's from books, film, music, or art, 
The thrill of being scared can be intoxicating. Join me, Nicholas J. Hearn, and my guests as we dig deep in what really scares us all on Two Guys Talking Horror. The Two Guys Talking Podcast Bug, a truly original autonomous mobile recording solution. Get bit by the podcast bug. www.podcastbug.com Everyone, welcome back to the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast, a complete, detailed, and always educational review of each and every episode of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., this time Season 5, Episode 7, Together or Not at All. Every time we come back from the break during our Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast, it's time to open up our S.H.I.E.L.D. dossiers. The S.H.I.E.L.D. dossiers is where Nick and I focus on either an actress portrayal, something inside the storyline, or something else that trips our collective review night fantastique. Nick, what do you got? Well, I'm going to stick with the linear talking of this episode. I'm going to talk about the stinger at the end. Okay. You forget, I don't have commercials, so this happened immediately upon the death of Chrysantha Brother. Roger that. We are on the crusty crust of the earth. With atmosphere. With atmosphere, because of the gravitonium. I, the gravitonium. Now, did did Enoch have enough alien detail for you, or did you need to see some three-headed garbage bag with green tape on it in the background? No, Enoch is Enoch. All right, just checking. Although he doesn't look anything like his comic book counterpart. But that's a podcast for another day. <laughs> May wakes up, we're in the Zephyr. Mm-hmm. Cool. All right. Ah, more intrigue. We're evidently hanging out with the people that have been sending the signal. Okay. But the big shocker is when we meet the people who have been living in the Zephyr. We know one of them already. And it's Robin. All grown up and grizzled and old ladyish. More connective tissue. Exactly. Exactly. And that's and that's why it's in my dossier. My dossier is all about the connective tissue because here we go we've got robin and not only because we can't tell that's it's robin the mm-hmm. reason why we know it's robin she's holding the whittled wooden robin that she had as a child that was given to her by daisy from her father before he died mm-hmm. and that happened when mike season three it, it, we've got this great, it, it's this giant tapestry that keeps, we keep on bringing these threads from way over here. Then we're bringing them over here and mm-hmm. we're going to take it over and we're going to bring it over here again. Mm-hmm. I love the picture yeah. that is being crocheted in front of us. Yeah. Yeah. And that is my shield dossier. I, I think that that's a fine dossier moment. And the, the neat part of what they paint here is that I have absolutely no idea where it's going. Mm-hmm. And that's when I know that a story's got me. Again, I will always gravitate towards the shield. The irony of something called the shield versus the agents of shield. Inside of the shield, I never knew where the story was going. From the first episode to the last episode. I had no idea where any of the episodes were going. And what they would always do is they would always jerk the wheel in some direction that I would have never anticipated. Didn't always mean that it was a sideways storytelling element, but it was always something that I never expected. Mm. 
And I can expect to get the unexpected from this program. Right. I love that. Uh, that is not what is my shield dossier, though. My shield dossier for this episode of Agents of Shield is the Vickers outfit. I know very strange to glance toward a piece of clothing slash a costume, but I want everybody to go back to the scene where the vicar gets killed by Flint inside this episode. When you initially meet the vicar, Flint's walking up to him. There's a zoom in piece and there's this white hot spotlight that's on top of the vicar. Pause it there for a moment inside of what I'm assuming is going to be an HD experience for you Mm -hmm. and look at the detail on the vicar's outfit. If you thought that the costuming department did not have their game on, au contraire, mon frere, because wow, it is ornate. It's just so rife with culture. And by the way, it's on a guy that's going to be dead in 30 seconds. (laughs) Right. That's when I know that there's some real quality and time being given to an effort where it would be just so easy to throw him in a bathrobe and spray paint it with gold spray paint. Who cares, right? Well, yeah. Yeah. Wrong. They take the time to put the details in where the detail matters and where the detail needs to be, at least for this scene, is on the scene of the guy that's going to get murdered by Flint. Right. I love uh, that. We, and we've talked, about, we've talked about the, the costuming in certain shows. Uh, Inhumans suffered from really bad costuming because uh, I, we coined the phrase sci-fi Ren Faire. Mm-hmm. That's sure. what that show looked like. Yeah. That's what that show shouldn't have looked like right. that. Right. This show... We're in a dystopian future surrounded by what's left of humanity and alien races. And we're seeing that. We see remnants of Earth clothing, but then we also see alien clothing. Mm -hmm. Now, have they just added a couple of more alien-looking aliens in the background? (laughs) Everything would have been fine, but that's not what we're talking about True. Thank you for not derailing my comment. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, the, the... Costuming is exquisite, in particular the, the the part of the guy that appeared for what minute and a half inside this episode. Yeah, it's when you can tell the mark of quality, not only in that they're bothering to outfit the guy that's going to be dead soon, but that they give him enough platform to give him a decent looking outfit that really does make a difference inside the storytelling. Mm-hmm. Go back and look at it and tell me what you think. But when you do that, I need you to also tell me what was inside your dossier for this episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Go to our website. Again, that's over agentsofshield.tv. On the right-hand side, you'll see the contact button. Click that contact button. Fill out the quick web form and tell us what's inside your dossier. Nick, the rating always comes at the end of our Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast. Always. this time on Season 5, Episode 7, Together or Not at All. The scale works thusly. Ten is on top of the heap. A wonderful steaming pile of recently brotherly killed flesh. Down on the bottom is a one where never shall these review voices go. At least not this season. Asterisk. Everything starts at a seven. All the numbers go up with positives. The numbers go down with negatives. And Nick, there are no halvesies. Nick, what do you got? Well, I'm sorry, but uh, this was a horrible episode. Uh, there was lots of black marks on this Negative episode. Negative seven. And the, and the sweater the vicar was wearing was shit. Uh, no, no, the vicar was sharp. The vicar was a very sharp, well, well sharp dressed Cree. Nick, I'm curious. Have you seen the vicar? I've seen the vicar. He's, he's got himself a, a, a wonderful, wonderful plumage going on right now. 
Uh, no, no. Like I said, I, I was I was uh, joking mostly right, gotcha. during during most of the review about the, the things that I was nitpicking about. <laughs> really, the qual the quality of this show still stands. Uh, it has not changed. There were more severe speed bumps in this one, though, for me. I really think the fact that Philip J. Coulson cannot hit the broadside of a barn with an actual gun, not a night-night gun, not the icer. And not an alien gun. And not an alien gun like either. He wasn't familiar with This it. was right. a, an, a working firearm. Right. And he hit nothing. He grazes one person. He hits no one. That's a problem. <laughs> That's a problem for me. Yeah, I can see it, dude. Story-wise, that is actually really a problem for me. Totally get it. That's why I have to I have to rate this as a 9. This is a 9 episode. I want this to be a 10 episode. I was hoping this entire season would go for straight 10s. I'm sorry. There's a lot of things I can give I can forgive. Had it been somebody else with the gun in their hand maybe. But it's Phil Coulson, the agent of Shield. Sorry, I okay. right. I, I, I have to I have to give it a nine. All right, I can see that. I can see that. And I raise you four or five connective tissue points that go up above ten, so mine will be a fourteen, thereby making yours moot. Thank you, everybody. Come again. Moot me all you want. <laughs> no, I uh, th- this, this episode shows, uh, we have to start holding this show accountable. I, I will hold this show accountable, and from my. 27 point episode i will subtract five giant points for phil colson's fallacy in regard to firearms oh and the fact that nobody wants to remove daisy's inhibitor i will remove another another two points so we're down to we're down to 22 ah okay so right all right so 10 (laughs) yes i know i cannot wait to get more more wonderful emails explaining how broken the scale of the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast is. You know what's funny, though? You guys will it love this, broke. and I, I'm just going to give you a tiny little taste. You must go back and listen to our perspective reviews of the very first few Marvel films, because inside of the scale, you will find a very interesting tidbit. It's it's almost an Easter egg that I, will, I shan't spoil for anybody. Uh. The only way to find out... You got to go listen. To go listen to them, you can go over to twoguystalking.com forward slash infinity and link to all of them. And the neat part is that we'll be adding more as the weeks go by here and prelude to to the Infinity War movie. So you'll always be able to come back again, twoguystalking.com forward slash infinity to get them all. That's where we ask you guys, what terrible score do you give this terribly demeaning, insulting episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? Let us know by going over to our website, by going over to agentsofshield.tv. Click anywhere on the right-hand side, fill out the quick web form on the contact page, and tell us what you think. Until next time, I'm Mike Wilkerson, one of your hosts. And I'm Nicholas J. Hearn, your other host. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. We're thankful you were able to review this covert communication, reviewing the most recent episode of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., a chronicle of the stories and soon-to-be legends on ABC. Be sure to tune in to our ongoing top-secret communication with agents all over the globe via our Facebook presence immediately. Facebook.com forward slash Shield Podcast to be the first to be made aware of Agents of Shield news, the arrival of our newest reviews, and more. The Agents of Shield.
Shield Podcast, a super show for fans of superheroes. Uncover the mysteries, critical information, and reviews now by accessing agentsofshield.tv. That's agentsofshield.tv. End this top secret two guys talking communication. Ridiculous is having to have two different emails, <laughs> one for show notes and one for an intro. So Sally. <laughs> so Sally. Hold on, I have to go to my other email. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Ain't that a bitch? Yeah. Insert the tone. I'm still trying to get over the fact that you think the third Die Hard film is not a good movie. Insert the tone. <laughs> one of my favorites. No, <laughs> not so awesome. Jeremy Irons with the stutter. Yeah, okay, that's great. It was an act too. <laughs> to to uh, fool the police. Blah. That's actually pretty. That's pretty brilliant. Sounds to me like this was the smarter of the Gruber brothers. <laughs> this guy actually had a plan and got away his, with it. His death is also cheese too. Like hardcore. that is the biggest problem. And everybody, everybody will say that the ending of the film is the biggest problem because it was a reshoot as well. Yeah. Oh, really? I didn't know that. There is a really? there is an alternate ending to that film. Wow. I didn't where know it's that. like a year later, and McLean, who's no longer even in the police force, has tracked him down to some European country. And uh, if I remember correctly, there's a, uh, it's like a game of Russian roulette that, of course, McLean is stacked in his favor anyway. Right. Well, look, bottom, bottom line is that I will give the third one enough credit. Let's just thank the stars that there was never a fourth or fifth. I mean, that's, we just have to. Well, you don't, you don't like, you don't like the fourth movie with Justin Long? Insert the tone. Insert the tone! <laughs>